some people like bugs. Some people are annoyed by bugs. But bugs can be useful, particularly when it comes to solving crimes. Joining me by phone this morning, Dr. Timothy Huntington. He's Associate Professor of Biology and Criminal Justice at Concordia University, Nebraska. Dr. Huntington, welcome to Faith and Family. Good morning, Andy. Thank you. Glad to have you with us today and excited to learn about your unique career. Before we get into your work as a professor of biology and criminal justice and forensic entomology, uh, (laughs) tell me, uh, what were your interests as a young student? What were the things that you found interesting or that you wanted to study? Oh, sure. Uh, well, when I when I started as an undergraduate, um, I went to uh, here to Concordia University, Nebraska. Um, I wanted to be a, a conservation officer, a, a game warden, um, and I was a biology major because uh, I I liked wildlife. I I liked biology. Um, I still obviously like biology. Um, I was really more into snakes than I was uh, insects at the time. Um, and I basically, uh, my advisor, uh, helped me pick out some classes and he said, well, why don't you take an entomology class? Um, and at the time I didn't really know a whole lot about insects and, and, uh, but the more you learn, the more you, you learn to like them. <laughs> and so did you, when did you really discover what forensic entomology was? Well, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a an odd story, I think, but, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I went to uh, Lutheran High School of Indianapolis, and uh, Mike Brandt, who was my biology teacher at the time, um, I want to say freshman year, uh, told me that uh, he went to school with, with a guy uh, whose name is Dr. Neil Haskell, who's a forensic entomologist. And, and the only reason he told me that is because I had a job uh, uh, working for a mortuary service. Um, basically, I, I picked up bodies uh, for, a, for a summer job when I was in high school. And um, that that's the first time I'd heard about it, and it just kind of one of those things that, you know, I stuck in the back of my head and never really thought about until uh, I started learning more about insects. So if we haven't put it together two and two here uh, for those listening, uh, help us understand what a forensic entomologist is. What does a forensic entomologist do? Sure. So an entomologist uh, is is a, an insect expert. Um, so uh, what the forensic aspect of that is using uh, insects that are evidence of various crimes. Most of them involve uh, deceased individuals, although not always. Um, the main thing that I do is use insects to estimate how long uh, someone has been deceased. Uh, sometimes I can use them to uh, show movement after death. Uh, whether they were, you know, um, uh, died in one place and then found in another place. Uh, sometimes uh, patterns of injuries, so cause and manner of death. Um, it, there, there's lots of different things that you can use insects for, but it's it's insect use as, as evidence is the is the short version. So how do you describe that? How do you describe that career at a dinner party? <laughs> <laughs> well, people people who know me, uh, I think are used to hearing uh, kind of interesting stories and, and some people, I just don't talk about it much. (laughs) So in help us understand this, um, in layman's terms, uh, what, you know, the, what forensic entomology is this, you know, looking at, at insects and how that determines, um, or estimates a time of death. You, You bet. So um, if you've ever been around uh, 
know, roadkill or, or um, you know, garbage that you've left in, in the garbage can too long. Um, the flies are attracted to these things because they want to lay their eggs on them, and it, it provides a home for, their, for the maggots. And maggots are, are just baby flies. They're analogous to uh, the caterpillar stage of, of a butterfly. And so uh, they grow and develop and then eventually pupate and then become adults, and, and it's part of that natural cycle, uh, just like most other insects. And so what I do is I determine how old the insects are uh, using uh, temperature and development uh, models and then use that to correlate um, the, the, how fast the insects get to a body and use that to, uh, to provide an estimate of time of death. How reliable are insects in helping solve these uh, these mysteries, the sure. you know, criminal investigations? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, it's uh, very reliable, uh, really, because I mean, if you think about it, you know, the 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 insects can't lie, right? And so one of the you things can't that, pay them off. <laughs> you can't pay them off. You know, they they have no agenda, and the the it doesn't. It, it's hard to explain because it, it doesn't sound like, you know, gosh, here's this, you know, dead body that's this incredibly valuable resource um, to, to these insects. And, and so, you know, biologically, there's a huge competition for that resource. And so they get to the, to the body very, very quickly, as fast as they can, because, you know, they're just like every other good parent that wants their kids to grow up in a good neighborhood and, and, and be healthy and happy. So, um, so it's incredibly reliable, and, and one of the things that I I really enjoy is finding out how accurate my estimates are uh, in the course of an investigation. Because I don't I don't want to know anything about the investigation as as much as possible, other than you know um, how it directly impacts me. So when I provide my report, and then an investigator calls me up, you know, a year later or something, when it's going to court or something, and says, "Yeah, you know, you got this." right on the money, you know, and it, it is a, is a absolutely corroborated everything else that we already knew about the case or, you know, we got a confession and it turned out you were exactly right. That that's always a, an exciting thing for me, I think. What else do you have to take into consideration as you're, you're doing the math? Uh, you, are there other environmental factors you need to consider? Uh, the main one is temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, insects are, are essentially cold blooded, um, and I, I, I always use the analogy, it's like, it's like cooking, right? So, you know, if, you're, if you put your biscuits in at, at uh, 450, you know, they get done in, in 10 minutes versus if you put them in at 425, it might take 12 minutes. And so uh, temperature is really the big thing. Um, the ability for the insects to gain access to the remains is another. So if uh, an individual is outside, you know, on a nice summer day, it, it doesn't take any time, but if they're you know, found indoors or inside of a car or, or someplace like that, it, it can it can add a little bit of time. It seems it, it seems morbid, obviously <laughs> it is. Does that, how do you deal with that? Does that make you uncomfortable at times? You know, when you, when you first started studying biology, did you anticipate that you'd be dealing with these, uh, these morbid topics? Well, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, it it doesn't usually bother me. Um, you know, when I, so when I was a teenager, I, I started working for the mortuary service and, you know, and it, it takes a while to get used to being around, you know, dead people. And, you know, what, what, the way I have always approached it is, you know, 
that that person's you know but it, that that's not the person anymore that's that's just the remains right and 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 so we know that that um you know if if they were a believer they're in heaven now so we don't have you know we don't have to worry about that body you know and and the things that happen to it um and so so that's how i've always approached it and it's I think I, I, what troubles me more than anything else is the things that happened to them while they were alive. But, um, no, it, it's, I think if it did bother me, I don't think I would be able to do it. So, um, I guess that's, that's kind of the other way to look at it. So are you, uh, are you going to be on an episode of, you know, one of these crime scene investigation shows on TV? <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I kind of hope not. Uh, I, I, the, the thing I always tell people is that, you know the the TV shows really aren't that accurate. Um, I use them in class sometimes to to have my students count how many inaccuracies they can count in a, in a single episode, and it's it's somewhat shocking, I think. But um, yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, it's one of those things that not a lot of people do, and so uh, so it is an interesting career field, I think. How many investigations have you uh, helped in? Um, I'm, I'm well over a hundred, um, is as far as death investigations. And, and, um, so it, it, it depends on the year, how many I might get, you know, in a year, but, um, yeah, it's some, somewhere around 115, 120. So are you just on call all the time? And when a, a, a crime scene investigation needs to take place, they just, they, they contact you and have you start doing the, the, uh, the research? Yeah, um, it depends on where the case is. So um, here in Nebraska, um, if it's you know a, 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 usually an agency that's either worked with me or, or done training with me, um, I'll drop what I'm doing and go out to the scene. Um, if it's an out-of-state case, usually they just ship it to me, and it you know comes FedEx or UPS, just you know straight to the straight to my door, and and uh, I can do the analysis that way too. So, uh, but yeah, pretty much on call all the time. Wow. Uh, so you are, this is kind of a unique uh, certification as well. You're one of uh, really only a handful, a couple of handfuls of, of uh, board certified forensic entomologists in the U.S., right? Correct. Yeah, there's, uh, there's 17 uh, board certified forensic entomologists and 15 are in the U.S. Two of them are in Canada. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of us, that's, that's for sure. How do you, how has this, uh, this profession or field of study grown in the last uh, couple of decades? Well, uh, you know, in about the, the early to mid nineties, uh, is, is when things started taking off a little bit more, you know, interestingly, it's, it is actually a very old science. Um, you know, there's, there's records from 1300 years ago of, of people using insect evidence, uh, to, to, help figure out things about crimes and and then you know the the fbi started using it a little bit in the 1940s but but not to any real great extent um and i think what's happened probably more than anything else is is just an awareness you know and and so that the investigators today you know you hear about this in 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 basic training at the law enforcement academy whereas you know 10 20 years ago nobody knew anything about it and and it happens pretty much every every time that I I do training uh, or a conference or, or a workshop or something, and I'll have an investigator who, you know, had had a case 
10, 15 years ago and says, gosh, you know, I wish I knew about this back then because I think maybe this could have been helpful. Um, and, and, and that's, that's a pretty common occurrence. So I think what's changed now more is, is just education, um, of the, the investigating, investigating side of it. Um, and, and the science itself really, I mean, it's gotten better, uh, but it, it hasn't really had to change all that much because, you know, insects, don't really do anything different today than they did, you know, a very long time ago. So it's, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of that that needs to get, uh, that needs to get added to. What about technology? Has that helped in any way in this line of work? Um, somewhat, somewhat. Um, right now, probably the, the biggest changes in technology in, in most of forensic science even is, is DNA technology. Uh, so, you know, we can use DNA to identify the insects or even the things that the insects fed on. So as, as crazy as it sounds, you can actually figure out who the maggots have been feeding on by looking at the DNA uh, inside of them, uh, which is, is pretty fantastic. Um, but it's a very rare thing that that would ever really come up. Um, there's only kind of you know, certain situations where those kinds of things would be useful. Um, so, I mean, technology is always, is always improving and, you know, microscopy is getting better and, and these kinds of things. But, um, I would say it's not really a technologically driven field other than maybe the, the weather instrumentation, I guess, which has also gotten better. Uh, aside from possibly looking at the DNA, what else are you looking at, uh, regarding the insects, uh, to help you solve these crimes? Well, for the most part, uh, what I do is, um, figure out which species they are because uh, every species develops a little bit differently. Um, and so that, that's an important step. And then uh, figuring out where they are in their development cycle, if they're, uh, uh, which stage of, of, of maggot they are, um, and, and, um, and, then I'll, and then figuring out how old they are. So, um, you know, in some cases, I may not actually have the actual insects. I may have photos of a body, um, and they didn't, you know, collect them for some reason, for example. And so in those cases, I'm left using uh, the photographs to try to figure out, okay, well, this is, you know, it's, it's one of these, you know, handful of species or whatever, and um, this is where the stage is. And so then I have to calculate out, you know, for each of those, and it, it reduces the resolution. But, um, but that, that's another kind of a frequent occurrence as well. So when your students at Concordia University find out that you, you're, a, you're a forensic entomologist, that you study these bugs of death, <laughs> what are the first questions they ask in class? Um, gosh, you know, sometimes they, they're curious about which cases I've worked on, mm -hmm. if I've worked on any cases that they've heard of, and then when they find out, you know, wow, I know about that case, I can't believe you were on that. And um, Sometimes they 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 do the same thing that most people do is, you know, they say, "Ooh, gross! How can you do that?" or "What does that mean?" And you know, these these kind of kind of the typical questions. But uh, you know, I, I think it's neat. Uh, one of the things that I like about being a professor is, I you know, anybody can teach out of a book, um, but you know, in my forensic science classes, especially, I can tell the students, "Okay, this is how things actually happen in the real world." not what your textbook says. Or in a biology class, you know, well, here's an example of how this is really important, you know, for the work that I do. Uh, and, and I think that it helps um, r relate the material, uh, makes, helps them understand it for sure.
I wouldn't think that it's all that common that a professor, university professor, usually teaches both in biology and criminal justice. What a, uh, it sounds like a, a very unique experience to, to be able to teach uh, classes in, in both departments. Uh, how do you... How do you uh, how do you spread yourself across both departments? You know, I'm sure that that's demanding, but but also making that connection between the two when it comes to criminal justice and biology. For sure. Uh, well, it, it's it's a it's an odd combination, and and I, as far as I know, I'm I'm the only guy that's that's in that situation. Um, you know, the the uh, the criminal justice program uh, isn't an, an old program. We started the major about three years ago, three and a half years ago or so, um, but. In addition to the forensic science work that I do, I'm also a, a part-time deputy sheriff, uh, fully sworn and certified by the state of Nebraska. And so um, there again, it's, it's, it's another kind of avenue where I can say, you know, this is what the book says, and, and here's the real-life examples. Um, and so, uh, so I, you know, split, split my time between the, the two classes, and, um, you know, I just got out of a, uh, a gross anatomy lab where we're doing human cadaver dissection, and the next class I teach is an introduction to criminal justice class. So it's, it's, uh, it is different. It is, it is a very different world, for sure. What do you enjoy most about teaching at the university? Oh, man, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, it, it's funny because professors get asked this question a lot, and, and we always say this, well, I think we always say about the same things, and, and it really is, it's the students. Um, you know, the students here are just wonderful, and it, it, I've taught in other universities, and when, when you're around the students at a place like Concordia versus, you know, the, the, the larger institutions that I've been at or, or state schools, it, it's, a, it's a different experience. You know, we're, we're a, a tight-knit community. Um, we, we care about each other. You know, I care about the students, and, and, and I feel that they, they care about my classes. And so it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. The people really do make this place a great place. I, I'd like to, to um, focus in a little bit more on that, that real-world experience that you get to bring to the classroom sure. and how that makes a difference for your students, because... I, I would gather that not all of your students are going on for the same career path to be a, a board-certified forensic entomologist, but sure. um, but some some may be inspired and, and, and pursue that as well. But how does that real-world experience that you have uh, help the student who's who's taking uh, biology or, or gross anatomy uh, for for a different career path? They're they're looking at something else, maybe pre-med or yeah, or yeah. or criminal justice. How does that real-world experience help you in the classroom? That, that that's a that's a great question, um, and and I think the the best way that I can explain it is you know there's there's a, a difference between um, in many disciplines there's a difference between the academic world and the the applied world right so that the practitioners and the academics and and I consider myself more of a practitioner than an academic. And the, the reason I, I think it's an important thing, even for the students who, who don't, um, uh, don't go into my particular area, and then I, I don't think any of them really are, um, is when they, they realize that, you know, wow, I need to, you know, be able to think and critically evaluate the circumstances that I'm in and, and analyze um, what I'm seeing and think about it, not just memorize the answers out of a textbook. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not 
you know, I, I like to tell my students, you know, in the real world, you can't Google everything, <laughs> you, you know, um, it, it, if you're hosting a radio show, you know, you need to be able to, to think about that, that, you know, what you're talking about, you can't sit there and, and, you know, Google everything and then, and then come up with the answer. You know, it's, a, it's I think it's, I think it's applied to everything. Um, and, and I hope, I, I think they pick up on that. I like to hope that they do anyways. So how do you stay sharp as a, both as a professor, as a forensic entomologist, uh, and, and, uh, you have another vocation, another career as well. <laughs> you mentioned in there, I lost track of them all. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, you know, it it, uh, it does require work. Um, you know, I, I attend professional meetings whenever possible. Um, you know, I read the Journal of Forensic Sciences and the Journal of Medical Entomology and the, you know, and, and, and the other, you know, uh, peer-reviewed information that's out there. And, um, you know, the, the casework keeps me, keeps me fresh, but it's, uh, it's a constant, you know, one of the things in, in academia and in science, I think, in particularly, is it, it changes a lot and things are, are constantly happening and you need to stay on top of those things. And so, um, it's it's just uh, dedication and and uh, lots of time spent uh, learning. You know, I I like the the fact that I'm learning something new every day, just the same as my students are, and um, I, I I think that's really an important aspect. Is because once I I stop learning, um, you know, gosh, I, I don't I assume that means I'm dead because uh, uh, there's always more information to learn. What do you hope your students will gain uh, from your classes, you know, for, from, well, let's focus on the criminal justice program just for sure, a minute. Sure. What, what do you hope the students will gain? What paths are these students pursuing? Um, so in the criminal justice program, um, I, you know, our students go, some of them are, are looking to get into law enforcement. Uh, some of them are going, uh, for, uh, law school. Some of them are looking ahead to the, uh, what I call the, the, the social science end of the spectrum, so the vi- victim advocacy, um, you know, uh, victim assistance, uh, parole, probation, um, corrections end of the spectrum. And, and so I, I think what I hope that all of the students learn is the, the ability to, to remember the big picture items, you know, the, the minutia, the, the facts and dates and, you know, who said what, when, and, and that kind of stuff uh, historically, I think it's far less important than the ability to uh, critically think about, you know, this is the situation, how do I make a decision about this? You know, um, I, I teach an ethics class, for an example, and we spend an awful lot of time evaluating, you know, how do we make an ethical decision in this set of circumstances, and, and, and what are the outcomes and the, the consequences of those? And so I, I think the big picture um, uh, is, to me, more important than, uh, uh, than, than the, the little details. And the, uh, the biology classes? You know, the, the same thing. It's, it's all about learning how to think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that the students who you know come in as freshmen and and they're excited they they're they know they want to be a biology student they know they they love biology and and the difference between the student who's a freshman and the student who's a senior getting ready to graduate is you know I can I can provide them with information and the upper upperclassmen can evaluate the information and and use it to draw conclusions that that may not be an obvious thing 
you know, that they, they really have to think about, okay, well, what does this really mean versus, okay, what are you trying to tell me, you know? And, uh, and I think, I think that's, that's exciting, you know, to see the students learn and learn how to learn uh, and learn how to make decisions and, and evaluate information. Just under a minute left. What's the next step for you? What are you, what are you going on to uh, next? Do you have more crimes to solve or more lectures to give? Sure. Uh, what's the next step? Well, uh, Thursday I'm speaking at the uh, Mid-States uh, International, for Identific- International Association for Identification Con- Conference uh, up in Omaha. Um, you know, there's always cases rolling in, and uh, and I plan on teaching here at Concordia until they, <laughs> until I retire or they they find something better for me to do. So, my guest today, Dr. Tim Huntington, is associate professor of biology and criminal justice at Concordia University, Nebraska. Also, a, one of a 17 board certified forensic entomologists in North America. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Dr. Huntington, and for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Coming up in just a little bit, thy strong word right here on the messenger of good news worldwide kfuo Listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314 996 1518, or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Faith and Family is a production of KFUO Radio. Christ for you anytime, anywhere since 1924. Text the letters KFUO to 41444 to join the legacy with your tax-deductible gift.